Why do our children spend so much time in front of a screen and on social media? As a parent of a tween and a teenager, I often worry that my children spend way too much time gaming or chatting on social media. So should we be worried about the screen time of our children? Perhaps this is just how children socialise with each other in the modern world, and we as parents have to adapt to their way of behaving. Or perhaps they've become highly dependent or even addicted to screens and social media, and it's their behaviour that needs to change. Let's discuss. of Better Brain, Better You, where we're helping you to cultivate healthy brains and build better mental health at every stage of life. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Webb. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. It's great to have you with us. So today I want to discuss a really important issue for many parents, the screen time of our children. So why do children spend so much time on screens and social media? What's going on inside their brains to drive what looks like from the outside as an addictive behaviour? And what can you do as a parent to help them? What are the signs to look out for if you're worried your children are becoming addicted to screens and social media? And if you are worried about this issue, the endless hours on phones, iPads, games, social media or YouTube videos on constant loop we put together a guide that helps you to identify the signs to look out for of technology addiction in teenagers. It's completely free and you can download it at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash screen time. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash screen time. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'll make sure to pin the links in the comments below. Okay, so let's dive into this episode. What makes screens and social media so addictive for young people? Well, children and teenagers might initially be drawn to a device as their primary way of communicating with each other, with their friends, or through playing their favourite game with a friend online. And this can play a really important role in establishing friendships and maintaining and developing supportive relationships, which can actually promote a sense of belonging through staying connected with friends and being involved with different communities. But the problem is that tech companies have designed social media platforms and gaming to be highly addictive through the use of a range of psychological hooks that are embedded in their products. And we know that teenagers are really susceptible to addiction because the parts of their brain that regulate habit formation and and their emotions are still developing during adolescence. So one of these psychological hooks is called variable reinforcement. So if you reward teenagers in an unpredictable way, like when you experience what you experience in a casino, when you play roulette, or even when you play the lottery, they find it irresistible. They find it really hard to say no. So they'll come back to that experience over and over again. And this is embedded in much of what we all do online. So let's say, for example, you share a post online and you're waiting for feedback. It could be you get silence, which is negative feedback, or criticism, which is also negative. Or you might get positive feedback, such as likes and positive comments about the photo you took of yourself or the lunch you're eating, whatever it might be. It can be simple things, little doses of reward throughout the day, 
or you might hit the jackpot. Someone shares a post you've made and it's shared with thousands or tens of thousands of people online. And chasing that jackpot is really a big part of what many teenagers actually do online. There's a big social aspect to online engagement as well. Teenagers will often say they feel obligated to respond to their friends by commenting or liking. And that will bring, bring them back to platforms to play or engage. Goal setting also has an important part to play as well. So for example, fitness devices will ping you when you've walked, let's say, 10,000 steps or reached your weekly running goals to motivate you to repeat this behavior again and again. Reaching a certain number of followers, views or likes, for example, are other goals set by social media platforms. So video games are the same and laden with different goals to reach the next level or the next landscape. And a lot of these psychological hooks pull teenagers into the product. But what keeps them hooked is that there are no natural endpoints of the gaming or social media experience, which is actually a deliberate design feature. The tech companies have worked really hard to remove all of the natural psychological stopping points from their products, where a teenager might say, well, okay, I move on to do something else with my time. In the field of psychology, we call these stopping cues. And until relatively recently, the different forms of digital or physical media that we all consumed had natural stopping cues built into them. So when we used to watch an episode of a TV program, we'd have to wait seven days to see the next episode. That's a built-in stopping cue. We wouldn't sit around waiting for a week until the next episode airs. We would go and find something else to do with our time. Books have chapters and they are natural stopping cues for us to put the book down, go to sleep or to go and do something else. Physical newspapers are by, def by definition limited in their size and scope. And even many old video games used to have natural endpoints or fixed numbers of levels. Although this actually may have been determined by the limited amounts of storage and memory on older digital devices rather than by design. So without knowing consciously, teenagers and adults take notice of these stopping cues and will stop watching, playing or reading when they reach them. So the tech and media companies have systematically removed these stopping cues so everything is endless and teenagers don't have to do anything to passively consume more and more content. So there's no natural stopping cues at the end telling them it's time to move on. So when you play video games now, the next screen or level naturally begins. Your teenager teenage doesn't have to press anything or put a coin in to continue playing. The endlessness of these digital experiences has bypassed the natural stopping mechanisms in the brain and got in the way of teenagers, teenagers learning when to stop consuming and move on to some new experience. So what's going on inside their brain to drive their behavior on screens and social media? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the teenage brain is much more susceptible to addiction than the adult brain. Addiction to the internet, gaming and social media are real and growing exponentially. We call this behavioural addiction, which is actually the same as substance addiction, but doesn't involve the use of drugs or alcohol. It involves an experience or a behaviour. But it has a lot of the same hallmarks as substance addiction. You experience it in exactly the same way. In the short term, you want to do it over and over again. And in the long term, you know it does harm to you. So for behavioural addiction, there are actually four ways in which you can harm yourself. Social harm, so if a teenager spends all of their time in front of a screen, 
so it can harm their social relationships will may suffer so financial harm it could be costly for teenagers and they might end up gambling online or spending large amounts of money shopping online psychological harm spending a lot of time online exposes teenagers to more bullying they experience more loneliness and sadly there's a rise in depression and suicide in teenagers and then there are the physical harms being sedentary not moving around as much exercising less so behavioral Addiction produces the same physiological changes in the brain as substance addictions to drugs and alcohol. Addiction hijacks, hijacks normal brain function, particularly the reward system in the brain, called, in a brain area called the striatum, where habits are formed. The striatum weighs up whether or not they should repeat a behaviour and form a habit from that behaviour. In adults, this part of the brain is regulated and controlled by the conscious, rational part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which sits here. But in teenagers, these two areas are not yet fully connected up to each other. And this is what makes teenagers really vulnerable to developing addictive behaviours. Your teenager develops habitual or addictive behaviours on screens and social media by learning the relationship between their action on that platform and the subsequent outcomes. So for them to develop a habit or addictive behaviour, there are three ingredients that are needed. A trigger, a behaviour and a reward. So if they see a notification on their phone, that's the trigger. That will make them look at their phone, check social media, that's their behaviour, and receive new likes and follows on their social media. That's their reward. The reward is signalled in their brain with a hit of a brain chemical called dopamine. This gives them a pleasurable feeling as they look at their phone and see engagement with their social media. So every ring, ping, beep, message results in a pleasurable feeling and a rush of dopamine in the brain. So they keep on checking their phone to keep experiencing this feeling. Dopamine reinforces their brain's association between the things they do and feelings of pleasure, driving them to do those things again and again in the future. And once a habit and reward are tied together in your teenager's brain, the dopamine neurons actually start firing before they've even performed that behaviour. And the desire to experience this pleasure again can trigger cravings for the behaviour, especially when they encounter the same cues, like a notification on their phone. And this is what causes craving. So why they feel the need to check their phones, spend hours on social media and play games to the early hours of the morning. These cravings can be some of the earliest signs of an addiction or dependency on screens and social media. So addiction to cocaine and methamphetamine alters the connections between the two halves of the brain and changes brain areas that use dopamine in very similar ways to people who are addicted to the internet. In fact, behavioural addiction to the internet has become so severe in, in America that the American Psychiatric Association has actually introduced internet gaming disorder as a potential psychiatric diagnosis. And gaming is one of the most time-consuming internet obsessions for teenagers. So if you're worried about your teen, that your teenager might be addicted or dependent on screens and social media or the internet, we put together a guide to help you identify the signs of technology addiction in te teenagers. It's completely free and you can download it at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash screen time. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash screen time. The link is pinned below if you're watching on YouTube. So what can you do as a parent to manage your children's use and time on screens and social media? 
The first thing that I want to say about this is that I strongly believe that children should actually be taught about digital hygiene at school to help them manage their time and use of technology. We teach them personal hygiene, we teach them physical exercise, we teach them math, we teach them computer science. So I don't really see any reason why we shouldn't be teaching them how to use and manage their time and experiences on screens and social media. If for nothing else, to address the growing mental health crisis that is happening around the overuse of screens and technology. So all children should really be getting, at the very least, some basic education so they can learn how to manage their use and, and time in front of a screen. So that said, what can we do as parents to help our children manage their relationship with screens and social media? Well, the first thing to say is that we can't turn back the clock on the digital world we live in, but we can turn it off or encourage our teens to turn away from it, even for a few hours or minutes per day. The earlier we can do this with children, the better. Try to approach the discussion perhaps when they're doing homework or getting ready for, for bed. Not as something that your teenager feels like they're being punished, but rather something they need help with, like you would with homework. Remember also to be kind to yourself as a parent. The impact of screens and social media is such an important issue for many parents. I want to share some strategies to help you manage your teenager's time and use of devices. You might not have the time to implement all of these strategies. Not all of them will work for you and your child. And some will just take time to take effect. Find what works for you and your particular circumstances and then, go and then use those strategies. Okay, let's start by making, first of all, you should make screen time a privilege. One of the ways in which screen time has changed dramatically in recent years is that it's often felt to be more of a right than a privilege. The combination of having just about anything available on a screen 24-7 places more pressure on you as a parent to say when a child can and cannot have screen time. Make it clear that screen time is a privilege that needs to be earned. At first, this might be difficult, but the lessons from learning to delay the gratification of screen time and control their impulses will stay with your child for a long time. Also, make it clear that the privilege of screen time can be taken away at any time. Teach your teen to do homework and chores first before they turn on the TV or play on the computer. Set the second strategy is role model healthy habits. Telling your teen to shut off his electronics while you're sitting in front of the TV isn't likely to be effective. Teens will learn more from what you do than what you actually say. Let your child see you can make the choice between looking something up on Google or checking the score of the game. Show them how you've learned to treat media as a privilege. The third strategy is to try and discourage multitasking. Most teens think they're pretty good at multitasking. They try to text message while doing their homework or use social media while talking on the phone. If your child has a phone, you're probably all too familiar with their justifications for doing so. Discourage your teen from doing two things at once and discuss how multitasking actually interferes with their productivity. The best way to avoid the temptation to multitask is to use a technique called anchor, prioritise and structure. Make lists of what they need to do to take home from school to do homework or what they need to accomplish before bedtime. Get into the habits of crossing things off the list. For example, 
Encourage them to clean up their school bag in front of you. Organise homework assignments in order of priority. They might be kicking and screaming to begin with, but try and be firm with them. No TV, no computer time, no snack until things are done after school. Fourth, establish some clear rules and boundaries around their screen time. Most teenage brains, especially younger teens, aren't mature enough to handle free reign with their devices. Establish rules that will keep them safe and help them make good choices with video games, phones, TVs and computers. Examples of good rules include limiting the amount of time on a device, having a set time when screens need to be turned off before bedtime, and removing screens from bedrooms into a common area where you can check what's going on. Software programs can help here. You can monitor their usage in the sites that they visit. But the main responsibility is for you to communicate with your teenager. Fifth is to encourage exercise. Encourage your teenagers to get some exercise, get outside and do some exercise. Going for a walk, playing a game of catch or even doing some work in the garden can ensure they will get the physical activity that they actually need. Think of activities you can enjoy as a family So it seems like exercising is is fun. Physical activity not only enforces time away from screens, but it's really beneficial for your child's physical, mental and emotional health. Six is electronics free mealtimes. Shut off your TV during mealtimes and don't allow text messaging or web surfing while you're eating. Instead, use the opportunity to to talk about your day. You may be hearing more and more about how family dinners can make kids' lives much better. Your teen is never too old to have a screen-free dinner with you around the table. Seventh is screen-free days. Every once in a while it can be helpful to have a screen-free day. You might even consider a longer digital detox like a week-long vacation from electronics twice a year for example. It's a great way to ensure that everyone still has plenty of activities that don't involve electronics. To have a go at these strategies to reduce your teen's screen time, and please do let me know how you're getting on with them, how you're getting on with implementing them at home, and if you'd like more help with managing your teen's use of screens and social media. So thanks so much for spending time with me today. I really do appreciate you hanging out with me. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please do leave me a a review. It actually really helps to spread the word so more people can listen in and watch the podcast. Okay, thanks again, and I'll see you next time.